So Chelsea Turpin and Coxie is the author of Living Life Metaphorically and a Dream Analysis Coach. You can find Chelsea at ChelseaTurpinandCoxie.com. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm happy to be here. I love your podcast channel. It's got a really cool theme, so I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> well, I'm happy to meet you. So tell us what got you into this work. Uh, well, it was just my own personal experiences uh, throughout my lifetime. So it's a, a bit broad, but um, the dream analysis came upon my own happenings and doing dream analysis on myself because my dreams were getting my attention <clears throat> during a certain phase of my life where I was not quite awakened yet. Um, so my dreams literally helped me through my awakening and to process all the authentic parts of myself, a lot of the inner healing, uh, different aspects of myself. And it was just this huge, beautiful journey that I uh, had self-applied. And then later on, I learned how to create the space for other people. And now I get to encourage other people to have that to themselves. And it's unique to every person, but it's absolutely the coolest experience and slightly metaphysical. And I say slightly casually because I don't want to scare people, but it gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. You know, what isn't metaphysical in truth? You know, I think everything mirrors we itself are so conditioned to kind of identify with just the flesh that, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to be like, oh yeah, you know what? This whole experience is metaphysical. Like this whole thing is basically one unending set of impossible scenarios. <laughs> and somehow <laughs> we've come I to agree. see it as being normal, you know, but anyways, so out of curiosity, do you remember at least one of the most profound dreams that you had? that really caught your attention and you were like, okay, what the fuck? I got to check this out. Yeah. Uh, so for a long portion of my life, I had dreams about my masculine side, um, which is Carl Jung refers to as the anima and animus. Um, or you could look at it in the Eastern cultures, the feminine and masculine energies that we each hold in duality. Right. Um, so I kept having dreams about my masculine side. And it was ideas of like past boyfriends and trying to heal past relationships, but it also was embracing the masculine myself and it was portraying it in a very weird mirror to where I was like, who the hell is this man in my dreams? And I, like, it was just driving me nuts because I knew it wasn't someone in daytime. It was a very metaphysical experience and something very much alive, but I didn't understand the psychology of it at the time and how in depth it was and how it also was multidimensional as well. Um, so that was the one that really caught my attention and I'm a fan of hallucinogenics. So at that point I was so extremely kind of frustrated with trying to get to the conclusion of it that I had done a micro dose to myself just to pull it out. And, uh, that was something that really created for me, the whole, the relationship between the subconscious and the consciousness and how the duality within ourself is on many layers. So like it, that really was the dream that got my attention a lot of times, but it went very in depth too. Very interesting. Okay. Dream analysis coach. I had a dream two nights ago that I just started tearing my whole house apart and I started vacuuming everything. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> 
I don't know. What was the what was the dream? <laughs> how did I mean? Obviously, I know how it made you feel a little bit and reaction. That was the to entire it. dream. Actually, um, near the end, there was like a threat where the vacuum stopped working and it spewed all the dirt all over the floor, and it was like stuff I didn't even vacuum up. And I was like, "What kind of dream is this?" <laughs> oh, that was a and dream. Then, yeah, and then I kind of woke up. Start cleaning house is what I call it. And we do that subconsciously with shadow work. Um, so it sounds like you were doing some, some ideas of wanting to do more shadow work or to get back into the cleaning of the subconsciousness. Ultimately, um, as my own example, I, when I first started doing shadow work and dream analysis on myself, I said that all of my ex-boyfriends kind of came crawling out of the rug, like little cockroaches. And it was like, Oh my God, you know, but it's this idea that we shove things under the rug or deep within ourselves and we don't allow it to come to surface or have healing. So when you have dreams like cleaning like that or something, you may be searching for a internal aspect of yourself, something that you have may have forgotten about or lost through an experience. Um, ultimately it's shadow work and like a spiritualistic terminology too. All right. You caught me. I already knew that I had spoken to my <laughs> friend in a, one of the last um, podcasts, Jenna Layden. And I told her on the show that I've been working and I haven't been able to do as much internal work and I really need to go back into it. So yeah. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It's a beautiful journey. Um, A lot of people don't always realize they think it's a very surface level thing, but it's, it's a spiral. And it always has more in-depthness. So we will always go back to some of those moments, but we will always pull more out of it. And our subconsciousness desires that. Yeah. So you've said a little bit about it, but what specifically is dream analysis really all about? Because people can listen to what you've just said and they can be like, oh, well, I kind of understand that. I've done that before. Maybe they'll say that or... Maybe they're like, I want to understand that, but what am I going to get out of this? What is it all about? What's the end goal for me as a client? Um, Well, I take it from different ways. Um, I say ultimately it's a self-discovery on many levels. I say it's a metaphorical discovery of who you are internally and emotionally and all the untapped potential of healing and bringing back to a platform of like your internal family system and all these aspects of yourself. But it's also a soul journey. And it's very metaphysical. So you are able to connect with your guides. You're able to connect with past loved ones. You are able to be very lucid sometimes and hold much awareness in your dreams that you can explore aspects of yourself very in-depthly. And you can also explore aspects of the universe in-depthly. So it's a very, at the end of the day, we talk about my sessions, um, how much of a self-discovery it is, how do we bring it to application of daytime and what we choose to do with our lives and how we want to be authentic, truly. And when we do dream analysis, it does very much bring that to the table um, and begs you to choose authenticity, usually. Uh, it's a it's it's a life it's life changing. I am not trying to be so bold with that, but to see yourself on a soul level and a psychological aspect and to see how they are connected as a mirror. It is life-changing. You tend to live more awareness um, and you make choices more in the alignment of yourself and you tend to find more happiness or 
completeness or wholeness. And we find this in journeys of many lanes. So many lanes. So I'm not going to say you're going to say dream analysis is the answer, but uh, dreams are so common and they do show a lot symbolically and visually to us that it's a very easy lane to access if we just wanted to be aware of it. And it really does open the doors wide open on both levels of internal work as well as external. Um, and when I say external, I mean, even like metaphysically. So like, uh, the metaphysical aspect is that you're connecting back to your soul and who you truly are. And it's not just about you, but you kind of end up connecting to the people and metaphysical and spiritual realm around you. So it's a very spiritual thing. Uh, a lot of the times I'll say I end up working with egos because egos tend to be the conscious aspect of ourself that is limited while the subconsciousness is unlimited. So what we try to do is to nurture the ego and to allow it to explore the subconsciousness in a healthy way to where it expands its consciousness. Right. And you end up, it, it, it affects your soul journey and it affects your physical journey and how you live your life. And then it can be different for each person, but when you dive into that sort of self-discovery on a deep level of your subconsciousness, no matter if it's hypnosis or some of these other quantum lanes, it's all, it takes you back to that. Right. I agree with you. So what can a potential client expect in the first session? Uh, well, usually the first session is usually exciting. Uh, we go over whatever dreams have been going on in the past. And I usually try to say, give me a couple of weeks before we start the first session. So you can start, uh, journaling your dreams. Um, so what I do is I break down that fact that dreams, I break them down into metaphorical and metaphysical experiences. When I talk about, um, the idea of like a metaphysical dream, I'm talking like internal family system, your emotional experiences, processing and how we are on the human level of the physical and all of that. Um, and we get a lot of dreams that come about with that. Everyone's a little different. Some people come in and they have very metaphysical dreams and that's why they want to visit me because they're like, what's going on? I have ancestors or people reaching out to me and it's very metaphysical. Um, some people come to me and they're just like, okay, I just want to explore dreams. I'm not quite sure where this is going to go. A lot of the times it's metaphysical and metaphorical. So I break it down into like an internal family system by, I think Richard Schwartz was his name, has this idea of the internal family system where we cycle analyze ourselves into different portions of personalities. Um, speaking of like your inner child, your higher self, your ego, your shadow side. And sometimes it can be more complicated because your ego and different aspects of yourself can break down and manifest into certain voices. So it's basically taking all the voices in your head and giving them an identity and then seeing how that portrays in patterns in your dreams. So we usually tend to break down the patterns, start recognizing what's speaking from where um, that usually tends to do a lot of healing and bringing wholeness to the untapped potential aspects of, you know, if your inner child has certain qualities that are important. And if you're not accepting that in your current life, it would bring more value to you to accept more inner child aspects. Or since you are a man, we all, we each are different. So like some people, like even a lot of women are more masculine than feminine. So like we have the feminine and masculine energies and we will see that in dreams, they will both represent themselves as separate identities or symbolism. And ultimately they're all getting down to the same aspect of wanting to share the platform consciously and to have the spot in your life and not just be exiled from your daytime. Hmm. 
So it gets very interesting with like the first session is like explaining all of this, but ultimately it's what we get months later of the overall package is just absolutely phenomenal. And it's like, we collect data, basically we pattern the data, we dissect the data and we figure out what's going on and we bring it to life. Yeah. I understand everything you're talking about. Uh, You know, sometimes clients come to me and they're like, oh, I had this really weird dream last night and they want to talk about it at the beginning of the session. And I usually let them talk about it in as much detail as possible because you know what people don't do even when they write it down is they they aren't tracking and their focus is so intensely on trying to capture as many details as possible that they forget to feel the internal landscape that was going along with that dream. And that's very important because the subconscious mind is the nervous system, right? So if you're not extracting emotional content, every time you analyze something subconsciously, you're not really doing anything. You're just kind of making a really great record for yourself. Yeah. And you probably won't look back at it, you know? Yeah. It's not resonating or holding application to it. Yeah. And it leaves it lingering. Yeah. And so, I feel like um, people often don't put their focus on how aware they really are of everything that's going on in their lives. They want to have a spiritual solution or they want to have a psychological solution and they still don't know what to do with that. And I say to a lot of people, you know, you're overthinking the wrong things, like the things you should be analyzing, you're not putting your focus on and it just takes awareness to change everything but awareness doesn't always come in this big chunk it comes in these very small increments right a little baby steps but they pivot and they put us into a new mindset ultimately and it's a bigger perspective and you can see the puzzle pieces a little better at that point exactly and so that's why dreams are so critical because we expect that we're going to process everything consciously during our waking state. We're going to be able to catch it, right? Because we want to see it. We're like, ah, we want to see the results immediately of what's going on. And it's like, no, you can't always do that. Um, You have to take a little time to rest and your subconscious knows what to do without you. (laughs) It does. I always say, let it do its job. It's really good at it. To be honest, the ego and the conscious aspect of ourselves does not have to have the reins all the time. It needs to have trust in the process of how it works or the mechanics. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. We were talking briefly before we started and you mentioned that you have Native American roots. Not me personally, my husband and my children. Yeah. So now you, now you personally, nothing on that side. No, no, but I find it fascinating. So it's, it's cool history too. Right. And I was going to ask you if you think that anything in your lineage is what led you to doing this in the first place. Um, For me, honestly, yes, but I speak that on a soul level. I feel it's a soul mission. Uh, And I, I, so when I think of like reincarnation and life on a very large scale, I think I am on this planet to do what I do. And I couldn't find anything more rewarding or more fitting. And it was happened very organically too. It wasn't something I could say, Hey, I was going to do this someday. I was going to sing opera at one point. So like, this was not on the list. 
<laughs> uh, so, but, uh, but I see my children and they're very spiritually inclined, which I believe a lot of children are. And my son talks to me, he's five. He talks to me about his dreams a lot. And he does astral projections out of body. He says he's a ghost at night and he can see us all sleeping in our beds, things like that, that would give it away. Um, it's very obvious at that point. You're like, oh, you're out of body while you're sleeping. That's so cute and kind of creepy. Cause it's like, ah, you're out there by yourself a little bit. But uh, no, I think that we're all, I think DNA is important always. And I think everyone's a little unique with that, which makes it, uh, more interesting, but I do love how it's a very spiritualistic base. So I'm, I feel I'm helping support it within my kids too, at least. So it's not always, yeah, it's, you know, not every family really does great. that. Yeah. It's really great. Cause these newer kids, um, they're a lot more spiritually advanced. They understand. They have things. a better Neptune than we do. <laughs> yeah. They've got a lot of better everything than we do. <laughs> Society. Uh, it's leaning in a better direction where we can talk about these things and not be so Western culture. I always say uh, when we look at the subconscious and the consciousness on a micro and macro level outside of the individual, but with the mass collective, I'd have to say like Western culture is very much an ego system. Uh, where other parts of the world are more like a subconsciousness based or intuition based. Um, so I, I see it both ways. So I think it's good for a Western culture to, if quantum physics is what does a, or like ideas of quantum living, we just need to start thinking multidimensional and more intuitional based. So it's important. And uh, I do see that we are doing a little better as a culture, at least, and helping kids see that a bit. Yeah. That's my own spat on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We talk about these things in my sessions a lot, like the micro and macro of the in, uh, networking systems, basically. So it's, it gets quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Two more questions for you. What inspires you daily? What inspires me daily? Mm -hmm. uh, aligning. And finding that now I do know what my passions are authentically, that really keeps me thriving, um, even on a bad day, as long as I know I do think certain things that make me happy, like building Legos with my kids or talking about work or expansion of work, connecting with my family. Um, at this point, I try not to give my time to things outside of the things that I don't necessarily need to take up my mind space. So uh, I really try to focus on the stuff that is the authentic parts of living and give grace to that. Hmm. If you could change one thing about the world, what would that be? The human mind. I would love it to wake up and search itself. I think really? that's going on though. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that would change immediately if that could happen? everything it would change everything if people's perceptions of reality and themselves really went on a deep level and they understood the reason why they're alive and why they're breathing and what their purpose on life is it would be a very different world Fair i think the point. human mind is the prize I, I i've wrote that a bit in my poetry it's it's a bit like we are we have to possess ourselves and love ourselves and not give it away to the mass collective per se all right. So I was going to ask you just that question, but now you got me intrigued. In your perspective, 
do you think we all share the same mind? Do you really think that there's only one mind and we all just share that? Yeah, uh, that's what the Kashuk records speak of in like Eastern culture. Uh, Carl Jung spoke of it as the mass collective, but the tapping in of the mass collective and he even broke it down in different layers of the subconsciousness through dreams and stuff. So I say like you have your internal then there's the mass collective or the archetype in the mass collective. And then there's the spiritual and the universal connection. So like, I think ultimately we are all just one consciousness experiencing yourself and it does appear to show in dreams. So it's just kind of reconfirms itself a little bit that we are all one a little and you know, people have special abilities of being telepathic or connecting to their Akashic records. It's the same idea of just connecting to that aspect of consciousness. Uh, when you are so focused on your consciousness level of perception of reality, it's hard to connect with other people. When you learn to connect with other people, you learn to just gradually continue connecting with other aspects of consciousness. I mean, I don't know, you could end up talking to a grasshopper one day or just, yeah. you know, befriending the nature around you. Those grasshoppers are really talkative, actually. Don't talk to them. They'll keep you late. <laughs> Don't talk to them. Your appointments. <laughs> hey, I have a friend um, grasshopper that lives next to my watering hose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think makes the difference between those that have awareness and those that don't have awareness in terms of accessing the collective consciousness? Um, well, I know that a popular person lately that's, uh, Joe Dispenza spot speaks about of this often. So it's a popular one. He's got his own cult following, but it's, um, but hold on. I'm not trying to get ADHD. I shouldn't have said that because my brain went off to the side. What was the question again? So what do you think makes the difference between a person who has awareness and one who doesn't have awareness in terms of accessing this one mind, this collective consciousness? Autopilot. I think some people are on autopilot and they let their subconsciousness rule the system and they're not consciously interested in the day or they just go with this certain flow constantly and having these patterns that take over their lives where they're on autopilot. Um, I, to be consciously aware. Yeah. To be yeah. consciously aware would be to be co consciously aware of your subconsciousness. That's what I consciousness would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I would say the same thing. Just not as nice as you. You said it really nicely. I would say they just don't care. I would say that a lot of people really are just, they're not there yet. And to them, whatever is right living. here, yeah, yeah, whatever's right here in front of their nose, that's all that's important at the mm -hmm. moment. And they have they so many, yeah, they have so many moments throughout the day that are overtly spiritual, but they miss it. You know, I see yeah. it all the time. I've actually written about that on a very deeper level of like metaphysics, how, um, so the idea of living on autopilot would be the idea of controlling. So the book for Joe does Joe Dispenza breaking the habit of being yourself is the idea of the consciously taking over your brain, just consciously taking over your brain and you consciously take over your life at that point too. It makes a difference to so the idea of what consciousness means, but I also take it to like a metaphysical level um, of consciousness too, because eventually you'll start noticing the consciousness or the metaphysical aspects consciously. Um, personal ex uh, example, which is a fun one. Uh, when I was 26 years old, I had an ex-boyfriend who had passed away unexpectedly 
And two weeks after his death, I went, I was in Vegas at the convention center and I was like setting up my booth all day and I was working. I went outside to smoke a cigarette, but I didn't have a lighter, but I was, I worked for the smoking industry back then. So a lot of people were smoking and I was like, it's hard. It's not hard to find a lighter. Uh, so, but I noticed by the semis, there was a man that looked exactly like my ex-boyfriend who had died. It was him. It could not have been a look like it was him. So I walked up to him and I asked him for a lighter and he gave me a lighter and he was just smiling and glowing and he never spoke one word, but he was literally glowing. And I don't think, I don't remember at the time if anyone else was paying attention to me or us. It was just, I mean, I don't know. It was weird, but he, he was real skin, real skin. And I sat there and I told him, you look like a lover that passed away two weeks ago. That was a good friend of mine. And, you know, I've been really sad and you look just like him. And he just sat there smiling, just happy and smiling. And he was just kind of like this giggly smile, right? But he didn't say anything. He handed me the lighter. I smoked for a second. Um, I told him, you know, I'm going to go back inside. By the time I turned around and looked, he was gone. And I looked everywhere. And, you know, um, I wasn't awakened at that time. And I, but I was spiritual. I grew up religious and I had, I knew I was a bit more re, uh, spiritual. I had seen like shadows and weird stuff right in my life, but I had never seen something so concrete ever. And I thought that was a gift. Like that was a, like a third eye gift. I was lucky to have witnessed what I had witnessed and had that experience. And even though I knew it was real, sometimes when I thought back on it, it felt like it was fake or just this weird memory or something that just didn't exist anymore. But I, as I continue on my journey now, speaking of metaphysics, I will say you can literally be smacked up topside the head with the metaphysical experience and you will still question it because our ego does that. It is our analytical side. It wants to understand why it's witnessing and what it's witnessing and it's not always in agreement with their intuition. So that's why I always say feed both wolves, not one, but feed them both. They will support each other. Your logic or in, will support intuition. But it's sometimes that people do have these experiences and they will talk themselves out of it all the time. And I have clients who are having not just metaphysical experiences in their dreams, they're having it in their daytime. And there's some of them are totally on board with their intuition and they don't even you know, they love it and they'll embrace it. Some of them are still struggling with it. And it's like, a that's why I say I nurture egos. Their ego will not allow it to exist in their reality, even though it saw it. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> well, Chelsea, thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity podcast. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, you guys can find me on my website. It's got a lot of my links and stuff on there. So from there, you can find me just about anywhere. It's uh, ChelseaTurpinandCoxie.com. Oh, and my book, which I'll show you here, is on Amazon. And I got a rest of a series coming out. I'm just waiting for to publish it. But Living Life Metaphorically, a series to waking up. That's awesome. Or a journey to waking up. Sorry, I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's great. Thanks for hanging with me. Hell yes. I'm glad to have met right. you. This was fun. Thank you.